something very spooky just happened. And you're, oh. you're going to think I'm lying. Okay. But see the, this. I'm trying to look at the zoom. See this here in the zoom window. This tiny little square. It's a picture of my nana and granddad, um, both of whom are dead now. But it's a lovely picture. It's my favorite picture of them on a walk together arm in arm. See this beer here? Uh-huh. The zoom window? I had just popped off the lid in it and pressed it to my lips and that picture fell off the shelf onto the ground. Granddad was a pioneer. Never touch a drop of alcohol. Did he try and... What does that tell you? He was also an avid podcaster, as you as you remember. <laughs> remember, we inherited this podcast from our, our granddads. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't... I assume he doesn't like the idea of me podcasting under the influence. Well, I mean, he surely has to have gotten used to it by now. Granted, it was also very windy and I hadn't closed the windows at this point. And... Oh, no, granddad, no. Luckily, my Steve. granddad was a raging alcoholic. <laughs> so it balances out. It does. I'm a man of science, so I know there's ghosts. And they are influencing your life. Yeah. So I don't I'm just saying watch out, there might be some spectral um interference in this particular episode. So maybe if this episode's bad, that's why. And we can blame it on my granddad. <laughs> You're here's, really here's to you, Leo. Well. <laughs> Leo. His name was Leo, yeah, Leo Fulham. Fulham. It's a cool name, yeah. Name. Yeah. <laughs> Leo Fulham. Leo Fulham. Ham. Hamilton. Hey. Hey. Roll the theme music. Fuck, that was bad. Uh, you think this might be a dodgy one? Maybe. <laughs> flying, by the, flying by the seat of our pants. Uh-huh. Uh, to, quote, to quote a Hamilton lyric, I think. He's penniless, he's flying by the sea. Is that a lyric? I feel like there's going to be a lot of Googling Hamilton lyrics. He's penniless, flying. Penniless, flying. And there's going to be a lot of dodgy recreations. Seat flying. Yeah, he's, he's penniless, he's flying by the seat of his pants, Hamilton. Um, so yeah, great great start, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, the last couple of episodes have been really great, so we we, we have to balance that curve a bit. We have some absolute club bangers of guests on uh, the past few episodes, so yeah, we need we do need to, to bring the, the curve down a little bit. Yeah, we need to get back to our roots. Getting yeah. drunk, <laughs> talking shit. Granddad's hassling me from from beyond the grave. Just as, as it is supposed to be. Yeah, that's it. You haven't also, got your uh, post-COVID haircut yet. Oh, no, uh, I haven't. Um, the barbers are open. But I'm just going to give it a little bit of time. So do you not think it's, do you not think it's, I'm working it? It's good. This huge mop of, I, you know, I keep doing, right? I'm an anxious person. You know this, everyone knows this. I talk about it every other episode. But when I'm like anxious, I've been like lately now, because it's so long, I'm able to like little take curls. a the hair. And, but not curl it around your finger like <laughs> a like a teenage girl in a movie who's in love. I just take it and I tie it into a literal knot, like a knot, like a shoelace, and I pull it really tight. That's just awful. I know, to see if I can get it to stay, but it won't stay. But here's the thing, it's gotten so long now, it is starting to stay and it's ruining my hair. So I do need to get it cut short because I'm a, I'm a um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm a mess. Stop playing with your hair. Don't be anxious. That's, it's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Have you tried just not being anxious? Just turn it off. Just turn it off, man. That's how it works. Look, what would your granddad say? Probably something about God. I've put them next to, I've got, so, okay, so I don't know if you can see next to it. There's like a little colourful box of uh, Birdie Bots, every flavoured beans from um, the time I went to the Harry Potter studios. And I put that next to him. So maybe he's just not happy about the, I don't know, yeah. the, his shelf company. He wants to disassociate himself from any form of transphobia. 
Yeah, maybe he wants to... Maybe we should put him next to Teddy Roosevelt bobblehead. I think that's better company. Who wouldn't want to be beside Teddy Roosevelt that's bobblehead? Do you see this? Do you see what ah, I found? pod. I found my um. For, uh, I was going to say for those who can't see, which is everyone, uh, the a Christmas present. Ah, found it? Did you Steve lose it? And I. No, I didn't find it. I was just like tidying some stuff up, and it's it's in my little my little box. I just forgot it was there, and I put it on. This feels like a per chillion years ago when yeah. we exchanged these. It's our um. For those who don't remember, new listeners, the heart-shaped necklace that's cut in two that has podka on one side, which is my half, and asts on the other half, which is Steve's. Do you have yours? I don't have it on me. It's in my jewellery box. Will I go get it? I mean, I just as long as I know you know where it is and you haven't lost it, that's good enough for me. No, I've never lost it. Okay. Okay. I will never lose my asts. Shall we get into it? Absolutely. Let's do news. Before that. You do yours what first. Is my... Oh, sorry. Yeah, what is what I am? Uh, we're a, p- a political podcast. We're a part of Head Stuff, Ireland's biggest and bestest podcast network. I'm Steve. What, what more do you want? And I'm Richie. Richie's haunted by the ghost of his grandfather. And that over my shoulder is the looming ghost of, uh, of Grandad Fulham. Leo Fulham. See, I said Fulham, but I think it's actually spelt without a H. Oh, like the football so it team. might not be Fulham. Fulham. Full what am. Full what <gasps> It was always meant to be. Uh, let's do news. Yeah, Ireland has a government. Hooray! A coalition government, as we always do. Un- unprecedented, <laughs> unprecedented uh, government. Yeah. So, so it's it's who is it? What's the break, break it down for me? Fianna Fáil, big boys. They got the Taoiseach seat. Going into power with Fine Gael, the guys who have been in charge since 2011. Mm-hmm. They have taken Tánaiste, and in two and a half years, they will rotate to become Taoiseach. And supporting them is the smaller but not insignificant, Green Party. Uh-huh. They've broken it up to six ministries to Fianna Fáil, six ministries to Fine Gael, and three ministries to the Greens. Right. All three of the parties accepted the deal, and they went ahead and formed a government. They had a big... Was it r- relatively unanimous? I don't think, I don't expect any of this stuff to ever be fully unanimous, but like, was it... Um, did it squeak past, or was it like... What was no, it was quite emphatic. So Fine Gael's system is like a complicated electoral college where they don't really have to worry about what the members think once the party, mm. mem- the, the parliamentary party agrees. Uh, Fianna Fáil, some people were suggesting that it might not do it, but Fianna Fáil have been out of power for a long time, so and they really like being in power. So they went for it. And the Greens were the ones that were most touch and go, because they have to get two-thirds of their members, and a lot of members were uncomfortable with going in with Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael including, yeah. as we said, Peter Kavanagh, mm-hmm. uh, many, many time guests of this podcast. And, but they actually, they agreed to go in by 75%, which was a lot higher than what people expected. Yeah. So that's it. And then the next day they went off and elected Michal Martin Taoiseach. Michal Martin, who looks like Voldemort. <laughs> he does. Oh my God, he does. And not sexy young Tom Riddle Voldemort. No. We're talking. Baldy head. Snake Baldy face. head, snake face, Lord Voldemort. I never knew that. Oh, oh no, I never put those two and two together. Huh. Has anyone rearranged Michal Martin's, uh, the letters in his name to see if it says, I am Maldney Mort? <laughs> There's more M's in his name. Uh, no, no one's done that. Okay. We should, well, maybe afterwards we'll, we'll look into it. But the international media have all just called him Michael. Mike. Ah, of course. So that's it. It's not really that exciting. It's just a government and... They will, I mean, govern. Hopefully, stuff. hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed. There's some interesting green ideas. We'll see if they come through. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably have to make sure the country doesn't fall off a fucking cliff because of COVID. 
Right. And et cetera, et cetera. Mostly we're arguing mm-hmm. about when we can get to go on our summer holidays, which seems to be... How's that looking? How's the COVID stuff happen, like going over there? Uh, the lockdown is easing. I had a pint for the first time. <gasps> I went for a Describe, meal. Sh- 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 Steve, slower. <laughs> Describe it slowly to me, please. Well, it was a Guinness. <clears throat> they poured it at a 45 degree angle, let it wait, <clears throat> topped it up, put it in front of me. It was so creepy. <sighs> so good. Oh, God, it's just been so long. <laughs> Have you not had a pint since it ended? I haven't had a, I haven't had a proper pub pint. Um, pubs opened, it's Sunday, we're recording now on Sunday, 5th of July. Uh, yesterday, pubs opened here and I've avoided them because I, uh, the situation in the UK is a little bit more um, dire than it is back home. Yeah. And I want to give it some time before I, I'm, I'm kind of keeping to a different schedule than the one the Conservative Party is, uh, is working off of. So I'm going to wait. Um, but God is good. Those pints are going to be, taste so sweet. Yeah, it was weird. So well. Like the bars, you're not allowed at the bar. And it was actually, mm-hmm. I went up to, home to Killy Beggs in Donegal. Um, my uncle, his main hobby is going into the bar and drinking coffee and chatting to people during the afternoon. Nice. But they're not allowed to sit at the bar. So they all protested and left. They didn't want to take a table. Oh. <laughs> so like, yeah, okay. some of the old men just can't reconcile the new way. So we went in maximum six to a table. You got your two hour slot, you order your food, you drink your pint and you get the fuck out of there. Right. Everyone wearing visors and masks. Pretty weird. Uh, oh man, I was just, ugh. so I was on the BBC news site this morning and they did a thing where they sent out like six photographers to different parts of the UK, like going a night out and document it just to kind of show what post-COVID pub life is like. And the amount of shots of um, bar staff wearing face masks, like fucking beer, beard ha- hairnets, like the, the, I have a face mask here, like doing like a chin strap thing down around here and their nose is fully exposed <laughs> doing this like the amount of it is is kind of shocking yeah it was mostly visors in the place I went to which don't really do anything because your air just goes out the bottom it's only like you only should wear them protective visors if you think people are going to sneeze or spit vomit on, on you or, or spit yeah. on you yeah so we'll see how it goes second waves all around people I'm going to walk around with two uh, cowboy holsters on my on, on around my waist and they're both going to have toilet duck in them I'm going to be psh, psh, psh. That's just going to hurt That's the people. only way. That's just, that's just smart. That's basic You're stuff. You're going to blind science. people. Why would you do that? Well, if you, it's transmitted through sight, I believe. <laughs> Don't look at me! <laughs> Can I talk about my new story? Oh, sure. <laughs> you have written down here in our show notes as Yeezy for Preezy. <laughs> Last night, Kanye uh, West tweeted out that uh, he's going he's gonna to run for president in 2020. It's not the first time he said this. It isn't the first time. I think back in twenty back in twenty fifteen, he said that he was going to run for president. He didn't just say that. He said, "And of course, I will answer the question you are all asking. Yes, <laughs> I will run for president in twenty 2020. twenty. And then he he pushed it back to twenty twenty four, based off his blossoming relationship with Donald Trump, I believe, because he wants to step in his toes. But then last night, the fourth of July. Um, he, he tweeted out, uh, we must now realize the promise of America by trusting God, unifying our vision and building our future. I am running for president of the United States. And then a little American flag emoji, an exclamation mark, and then hashtag 2020 vision. So there's only like four months left until the actual election. So it's a little bit late in the game. And in order to be considered for the election, you need to um, be registered with the Federal Election Commission, the FEC. 
right? And apparently someone looked into it. The closest name in the FEC database shows a candidate called Kanye D's Nuts West <laughs> who filed their papers with the Green Party in, 20, in 2015 under the address uh, 1977 Gold Digger Avenue, Sweet, Ye- Sweet Jesus. money. He also said he because he, he was considering changing his name to Christian Genius Billionaire Kanye West, which would be his running name. Oh, this year, Elon Musk tweeted out uh, uh, his support for him. So there isn't a, his first official endorsement. Second, I guess his wife went so far oh, as to retweet it with an American flag. <laughs> there you go. She mm. was probably like hovering between the poop emoji and the American flag. <laughs> I wonder, um, is he a fool or is he like mentally ill? No, he he's definitely he's got like he's got bipolar. He does. Like he is bipolar. That's def- that's definitely the case. Um That's like diagnosed. That's not just like No, arm, that's your diagnosis. Be- no, I believe he's diagnosed with bipolar. Okay. So he is just a uh, fool as well. Um look, I think we could spend a long time di- diving into his motivations. Um of which there could be none. Okay. <laughs> like it could just be a thing he t- it bear in mind this is like a tweet. There's no that that name I mentioned before, the Kanye D's Nuts West. That's not um, him. Person who's <laughs> registered with FEC. Yeah, like there's like there's there's no like money. There's nothing behind it. These are all just there's like no, ephemeral. Yeah, you're supposed to like the, set up. Uh, and also, like you're supposed to be registered in a bunch of states. And, you have like, to register those, in a bunch of states. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of those like the deadline has already passed. There's still still a bunch of states you could register in, but like he's already like mm. the boat has sailed on on a lot of these states. So, like again, this is just a tweet. Everyone's jumping on it, of course, because it's Kanye and it's it's you know going up against Trump. It's very juicy headline stuff. But um, there's rumors flying around that Trump is thinking about not running. Really. Mm. To what end? Like what? Like not get his ass kicked, right? I am leaning into the opinion that maybe we should re- recognize that the world got it wrong in 2016. We we were like, mm. oh, Hillary has it in the bag; it's fine. Don't worry. Look mm-hmm. at the polls, and then oh my god, what happened? The polls were so wrong. We can never trust them ever again. But the number, like it was, like all the the pollsters were giving Trump a one in three chance before. Right. Which is still a 33% chance. It's like, you know, if things happen three times, it's going to happen once. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't impossible that he won. But this time it's something like a one in eight chance. He is doing so much worse. He is the most unpopular pre- like presidential candidate, not to mention like sitting president there has ever been. <laughs> not to mention man. <laughs> man. So it is different. And people are so afraid to say, oh, Biden will win. Don't worry about it. Because obviously, because of what happened, because last Donald time. Trump is president, <laughs> so yeah, I'm like almost ready to say it's time to say yes, Donald Trump is fucked unless something, some massive thing happens to change everything, like Kanye West, like Kanye West running for president with running with Elon Musk on the ticket oh. as vice president. Can you imagine? It would make for an excellent season two to to America. I think it would be on season forty six. I mean, those didn't count. Those were boring. The ratings really didn't spike. I dare spike. you. are talking about Teddy fucking Roosevelt. Okay, that was a great prequel series. <laughs> but you got to admit, there was a lot of filler there for a while. And then the ratings really spiked. FDR. Who the fuck was that? That was nothing. JFK. <laughs> losers. Nixon. I mean, yeah. There was, was, look, there was the writer's strike that happened that time that took care of a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But yes. Like the Nixon thing may have just have been like, what's, what's it called when fans write their own versions of something? Fanfic. Fanfic, yeah. They were all just like fanfics. They, were, they weren't the real thing. The Bill, the Bill Clinton was like slash fiction. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so we'll see about that. I don't know. This could this could turn into something else, but maybe it's just one tweet. I really, hope, maybe was, really hope it doesn't. I really don't want yeah. him to, to seriously pursue becoming president of the United States. Mm. So what happens then if he runs as like independent and then people use it as a protest vote and it ends up splitting the vote for maybe some younger people and then it could end up taken away from the Democrats. Like who who, who knows? Harambe got 20,000 votes last time. Yeah. <laughs> In a more serious matter, the Green Party and the Libertarian candidates each got about whatever, millions of votes, which helped to swing it towards mm-hmm. Trump in the important places. So fuck off and vote for the person you want to be president. It's so weird, isn't it? Maybe we should do an episode on the, like the, the, um, the two party system yeah. in the States, because I actually, on the one hand, well, we'll talk about it a little bit today, I guess. Um, but on the one hand, there's like the desire to not have a two party system. I feel like that's, it's, it, it kind of limits things in a lot of ways. But on the other hand, it's it does feel like because it's so small it feels it does feel like a throwaway vote so how do you ever break out of that i don't know we in my side hustle the state of 2020 the last episode with um ab bowman we actually had a big discussion about this oh it, I, listen to I, I didn't really have a chance to get involved because it was mostly like super intelligent people ab bowman and Roz fuller who we've had on the show before tearing lumps mm-hmm. out of each other about he was trying to say that if america had prstv and not the two-party system they'd be much better off mm-hmm. they sure. and was trying to use ireland as an example of it working Whereas Roz was like, fuck all that. Really? Yeah, you can have, your voting system doesn't make your country better. Right, okay, I'm, I'm going to listen to this. this. This sounds juicy. But yes, we should also dedicate an episode to it. Yes. And make absolutely. more fart jokes, which I did not do. <laughs> yeah, You're very two, two very different brands. Uh, shall we move on? Not that different. We still have Jim Elliott to come in with the fart jokes. That's true. <laughs> Before people press the unsubscribe button. Yeah, exactly. Please keep listening. He pointed actually a, a really good side one, just a, as another mini ad for um, 2020. Uh, the Supreme Court of the United States have been conducting their hearings via telephone calls because they're all 7,000 years old and can't figure out how to use Zoom. So yeah. <laughs> you've been hearing them doing the dishes as they're listening to like matters of great importance. This is The Supreme Court is essentially one of the most powerful gatherings of human beings yeah. on the earth ever yeah. they decide all final things of american politics and therefore a lot of world affairs they <laughs> there was toilets flushing <laughs> in some of the phone calls <laughs> so you're like <laughs> justice thomas or someone like that just dropping a deuce with on speakerphone and then you know forgetting to mute it when he flushes the fucking bog <laughs> and another thing about, i object <laughs> you know, whoosh, <laughs> So yes, that is also the kind of thing you might get in 2020. Before we move on to our topic, Richie, mm-hmm. we got some shilling to do. We do have some shilling to do. Uh, for This time it's for the UX Design Institute. Steve, do you know what UX is? I don't. Explain it to me. UX is, how do you describe it? It's So everything we do relies on software, right? So from ordering a pizza to you checking your bank balance to booking a holiday or whatever. And UX design, which stands for user experience design, is all about making that software or those apps or those websites better to use. And it's kind of weird because it's like, it's a mixture of, I would say it's like a mixture of art and science because it's really all about what it feels like to use a piece of software. So you've, I'm sure, been on a website and it's been frustrating. Once or twice. Or, yeah, or you've been on a website and you don't even think about it because it's so goddamn smooth. Like what on politics.com. Or maybe it's not just smooth, but it's trustworthy or it may be even fun. Uh, and that's what UX is and that's where it comes in. So what would I want to do if I wanted to know more about this? Well, that you could sign up for a course at the UX Design Institute like I have. Woohoo! I'm a guinea pig. 
Yeah. So I'm the, people probably know from us chatting on the show. I am a designer by trade, and when um, UX Design reached the UX Design Institute reached out to head stuff about doing a partnership, uh, I jumped at the opportunity and volunteered to uh, take part in the course because. I recognize the importance of UX design and I've seen really bad UX design on the web because, to be perfectly honest, I've contributed to a lot of those bad <laughs> UX websites. Don't look up <laughs> And so I realize the benefit of it. And like, to be honest, it's it's an exciting career opportunity and it's something I want to kind of flesh out in my own portfolio, my own skill set, because there's lots of jobs going in UX design right now with decent salaries like across the globe in like loads of cool different industries because Everyone needs a website. Everyone needs an app. And uh, I, I want some of that cheddar, Steve. And if you want some of that cheddar, you should go check out the UX Design Institute. Yeah, there'll be a link in the show notes. And we'll be checking in on my progress. I, I had my first class, my first workshop, my first webinar um, during the week, and it was great. Um, so it's only a matter of time before I get to leave this shithole of a podcast behind and become a big fancy UX designer. Never. It's built into the contract. You're not allowed to leave. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I should not have given you power of attorney for all my contracts. Mm. <laughs> Every single thing, no matter what part of your life it is, I always have uh, do not resuscitate built into it. So it's like, even if you're like, you know, buying, going down to the shops or something, I've made sure do not resuscitate. <laughs> it's, it's really like career resusc- resuscitation. Deep. That's a hard word to say, isn't it? Resuscitation. <laughs> right up there with unprecedented. Right. Shall we move on to our actual topic? Yes. Do, 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 Hamilton. We, I was checking my notes for this in advance. This was meant to be episode seven. <laughs> oh, this is episode 107. <gasps> we did it. <laughs> I don't know what we did, but we fucking did it. Let me just confirm that. It, it, it is episode 107, okay. I believe. <laughs> Great. So only off by a hundred episodes. Yeah, I can't remember why we decided not to do it. Maybe because it was like it was a bit too much bandwagging or or bandwagoning. Or I think I was like, no, fuck it, I'm going to use the the biography episode for Teddy Roosevelt instead. Yeah, because Hamilton. I mean, it was back in like Hamilton was hot shit back back when we first started. So I guess we were just yeah, it was a bit of bandwagoning. Not to say but again, it's hot shit hot again shit because again. it's it's back on it's on Disney Plus. Have you watched it yet? Fuck yeah, I watched it the night it came out. Yeah, me too. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun. We are also lucky enough to so have good. seen the ha- the London version. Yeah, not together, unfortunately. No, I was about to take you again to see it a second time because I had a ticket going, but you mm. very nobly accepted that another mate of mine who hadn't seen it at all should take it instead. Did I? That doesn't sound like me. I know. I was shocked. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank God he was drunk. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> uh, cancel the do not re- resuscitate in this instance. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Everyone should. I've seen it twice now in, in um, the West End. Have you? Oh, shit. And you would have seen it yeah. three times then. Yeah. No, it's this. Yeah. So everyone should see it at some point. It's, it is, I'm not being hyperbolic, one of the best pieces of art ever made. It's amazing. In my opinion. It's so good just on every single level. And the more I watch, even just watching the, the Disney Plus um, stream of it you just see more shit and I think I'll continue to see more shit with every every re-listen and re-watch and even if you can't if you don't have Disney Plus or you are <laughs> you can't go to a, a stage show because they're cancelled until tw- at least 2021 um, mm-hmm. you can listen to it on Spotify that's the thing so uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda who who wrote the show and starred in the initial first production as Hamilton himself he was a huge huge fan of musicals growing up um, but he was their family were too too poor to um, afford Broadway tickets, so his love of musicals came from cast albums. So they had collections of like Les Mis and all the other like classic 
um, Broadway musicals, they had uh, records of them in the house and he would just listen to them over and over and over again. So when it came to him writing a musical, it was really important to him that the cast album was like a full representation of the show itself. And there's really is, it is like it's start to finish. The cast album is the musical. Like there's only one scene. Yeah. yeah, That's not directly referenced in the cast album. So if you don't get to see it, you just go check it, check the cast album out. It's a very true rendition. But we are not just talking Um, about this because of the musical. There is also a reason why Amazing Man, Lin-Manuel Miranda picked him as a topic because mm-hmm. Alexander Hamilton was a very interesting dude who got involved in politics in a big way at an important time and a lot of the mm-hmm. ideas and things that he was fighting with are quite relevant today not even not mm-hmm. just in America but especially so, in America so what am Hamilton Steve what Hamilton <laughs> 107 episodes you finally got to say it <laughs> but waiting Episode seven, I had this written down. I was like, I can't wait. And then you said, nah, let's push it back a hundred episodes. <laughs> I, I, I actually really hope I did say that and it turned out to be true. <laughs> nah, let's push it back a hundred Because then uh, when I said we're going to really hit it big in 110 episodes and make our millions, then mm-hmm, that can mm. come true too. Well, look, we finally got an ad. So. That's our second ad. It's our second we're ad. We're still going to ask you to give it. us money on Kofi. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to that um, back to this Hamilton mm-hmm. is essentially in a nutshell one of the founding fathers of the United States of America right. he was there at the get go he helped set it up he was best buds with George Washington his right hand man as one of the songs said and he also got into big scraps with one of the other major, major founding fathers Thomas Jefferson mm-hmm. so I mean I mean he was a scrappy dude He he seemed to like Butt up against people quite a bit. Love to. We'll get into that actually, because there's there's questions about how effective a politician he actually was, and how much of it was <laughs> right. just he was a really smart, intelligent but mouthy guy who managed to latch himself onto the found, the founding father, Washington. Or maybe he's like, damn, you know, if I'm if I just act really gangster my whole life, eventually someone's going to turn this into a hip hop musical. Maybe, and it did happen. Dun, 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 dun. So, do you know how he started off? Uh, how does a bastard orphan son of a whore and a Scotsman dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean by providence impoverished and squalor grew up to be a hero and a scholar is that it? <laughs> yeah I think that's about it <laughs> so <laughs> he was the son he was uh, born a, a, an illegitimate child to a essentially a British woman who was living in, in the Caribbean the Caribbean was a, was a largely British colony with some French and Spanish ones thrown in and um, his dad I can't believe you didn't compliment me on just spitting that off the top of my dome I was Shocked. Too shocked. <laughs> I didn't have that written down. I just, just straight, not off the top of my dome. I didn't write it, but I remember this. <laughs> Richie, you are Lynn. <laughs> I am very impressed. Sorry. Everyone should be very impressed. But I also have to put a little bit of a dampener on it because that if I if I encourage you too much, that's basically just going to be this episode. <laughs> the whole episode is just going to be me. Look, you'll be pleased to know that's the only bit I've committed to memory. Oh, really? Nah. <laughs> act three, act wait four. Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> That's my favourite song. That's it, Mike, me too. Sorry, continue. Uh, yeah, so he was born to, out of wedlock, to a couple. Um, the woman was a British lady. Uh, the man was a Scottish minor aristocrat who was like the seventh son or something like that. So he was like, fuck it, I better go out here and try and make my fortune. Was not successful. Got into this relationship and ended up scarpering. The difference, the thing that the show didn't get right is that he didn't actually die. He just went off and tried to set up um, uh, like a, a plantation on a different island. And then he actually... The, fa- kept, the father, sorry. The father. And he actually yeah. kept in touch with Hamilton throughout his life. Oh. Yeah, they wrote letters. They, 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 they make such a big deal out of him being an orphan. He wasn't actually an orphan. 
Mm, but I think I guess maybe technically you can call yourself an orphan if you only have one parent. Right. In the English language. And I guess they're trying to draw the, the similarities, the parallels between him and Burr, who was an orphan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then also, mm. like, it was to say, like, he didn't get anything from his father. Everything that Hamilton right. had to get, he had to earn for himself. So yeah. he was lucky enough that a cousin or someone like that was able to take them under the wing. And he was working for one of the trade companies. And the thing that made Hamilton especially feckin' amazing was that he could look at all the different currencies that the company was working with because they were trading with Spain, with America, with Britain, with France. And he could like look at 10 francs, translate to $7, translate to four doubloons or whatever the fuck the Spanish use. And he would just go, oh, that's that much, that's that much, that that's that, that much. So the traders that were there were like, holy shit, this kid is fucking hot stuff. He knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. So they gave him a job. They gave him a bit of an education there. But as is in the play, a massive hurricane came and yeah. completely fucking wrecked the place. And he ended up writing a equivalent of just a really lovely essay about mm-hmm. what that felt like. Yeah. And that impressed um, some of the local bigwigs, bigwigs so much that they whipped him some money together to send him off to law school in mm-hmm. New York City. And this, I think, is one of the main... Th- and we'll talk more specifically about the musical later on, but I think at this moment, it's like a good thing to highlight that the reason Hamilton is a hip-hop musical is because that act, the idea of writing your way out, which is a big theme in the show, like, I wrote my way out, is something that's repeat. it's a motif that's repeated, is something, it's a parallel that happens within hip-hop a lot. Like, you have a kid growing up in an impoverished area with not a lot of, like, um, opportunities because the kind of deck is stacked against them, societally speaking, but they write their way out through their music and then they make a name for themselves, um, which is what Hamilton did and which is what a lot of people in hip-hop do today. And that's part of the reason why Lynn kind of chose this, 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 this kind of musical vehicle for the story. Mm. So I guess you could say, and then, yeah, and then because he had those skills and he knew that you needed a bit more refinement, you couldn't just keep on writing essays about every time a hurricane came. <laughs> so he was like, fuck it, I'll go off to God, New I'm York. God, hope hurricane comes along. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on, I need more money. <laughs> so he was like, fuck it, I'll be a lawyer because lawyering is essentially putting loads of nice words together and using them as arguments to convince other people, which is right. writing and expression and all those things you were talking about. He needed to put mm-hmm. them into into strict practice. He could have gone anywhere. He could have gone to London. He could have gone to Paris. He could have gone to... Donegal, but he went to New York City. God, what a different musical that would have been. <laughs> I wrote my way out, hey. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> um, and he happened to land in New York right at the time that shit was going down. There was massive unrest in the United States uh, about taxation without re- representation. The American colonies had developed to a huge uh, amount that they, and there were cities, there were local governments, there was all this kind of shit going on, but they weren't under, being, all under British rule. All under, that's the thing. They were all still yeah. under the strict thumb and control of the crown and the parliament. And they weren't getting much leeway in terms of making their own rules. Everything was strictly enforced and taxed by the Brits. It was mo- like, to be, let's be clear here. It was mostly about the taxation. They were not happy about having to pay so much tax to prop up the British crown. The British crown was like, well, fuck you. The only reason we have to tax you is to pay for the military that we use to carve out your colony. So we don't see what the fucking problem is. And mm. we're also protecting you at the moment from the French. So just keep paying your taxes. And it got to the point, especially it, it, it started around Boston, but like there was a lot of fermentation going on in New York. Um, 
and this is something to remember as well, it kind of gets brushed under the carpet. About half of the people around that time were loyalists to the ground. They considered themselves British Englishmen and they did not want to break away and set up independent colonies and become Americans, something separate, right. just because it, like, it was as, as far into them as us setting up Wadamtopia in Kildare. <laughs> okay, well, I know where I fall in that argument, but... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, obviously, there's, there's a right, yeah, just... there are right answers to questions. <laughs> <laughs> but in this instance, there may not necessarily have been, or, well, I mean, it turns out there was, but at the same time... Sure. You, 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 it's something to remember. So he was. It, yeah, it wasn't a unanimous thing where. Yeah. Yeah. And to keep in mind, Hamilton did not have any blood or, or like family or roots in the United States or New York. He could have gone mm-hmm. either way. He could have decided to join the British side and say, no, fuck it. I'm going to use my mad writing skills and organizational skills to join the British army and put down the rebellion. But mm. so people are, there's been a good bit of debate and, and trying to figure out why he chose that side. It, like it could just be, he believed in freedom. Like the American mm-hmm. side was probably more, more palatable for like people that just believe in liberty and freedom. Sure. Or it could be that as a relatively classless poor fella, he would have a better chance of rising up the ranks in this new system than trying to play the, the rules of the old game. Sure. Is this part of the reason why he went? Because you said he could have gone anywhere, but, you know, could it be said that he saw the rumblings of a revolution and saw, like, one way to gain notoriety and rank is to rise up through a military during something like this and be a part of the new order? Because, like you say, he, he came from nothing. He's not going to get something. Is that why you picked New York? Yeah, is this why you picked, it, picked New York? And potentially, does that feed into your point of, like, that's also why he picked the side of, you know, new America, because again, it's, it's about status. He was playing the long game. Yeah. I think that is why he picked that side when he went there, but I don't think there's any evidence to say he knew what he was going to get himself into before he left. I think he was just going to America because there were ties between his own company and the New York. And a lot of slaves went from the Caribbean into America and a lot of them went through New York city Harbor. So like sugar mm-hmm. canes and slaves was mostly what was coming off his island and there was big ties into the American things from that. So I think that's why he went there. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think when it came to, okay, am I going to put on a red coat or a blue coat in terms of the mm-hmm. revolution? It's like, yeah, I can... Purple coat. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever talks about the third the third part. <laughs> no one ever talks about the purple coats. <laughs> the purple coats are coming. Who? <laughs> oh, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Richie. <laughs> yeah. Wait, this guy looks like a maroon coat. Who does that? Slightly more red than the purple one. Who's that? Who's he affiliated riding with? Riding a Segway through town. The purple coats are coming. The purple coats are coming. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he got involved. And by the time the fight came to New York, he had already organized a small battalion, like a little group mm-hmm. of, of soldiers. And he was very clever in that he noticed that the Brits had a load of cannons that weren't being guarded, so he rode across the water and robbed them and gave them to Washington. And that got, that got the attention of a lot of the uh, revolutionary bigwigs. Most importantly, got the attention of George Washington, who was coming into town to try and defend New York. And he ended up becoming George Washington's secretary, essentially. Right. And it's it's worth pointing out, it didn't really get, I suppose it did actually, like they, there's one of the songs talking about how hard Washington has it and how much they had to retreat and give up. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it was, it was fucking that. hard. They ran. But, I'm working with a third of what our Congress has promised exactly. us. 
And there was also the thing that if you lose this war, you're not just going to like in the good old days when the commanders of a war between France and, and Britain lose, if you don't die in the battle, they'd be like, okay, shake hands, go home. If these revolutionaries mm-hmm. lost, they were all going to get hanged. Oh yeah, for treason, I see. Yeah, for treason. They weren't going to, there was no, like they were being considered criminals, not not combatants. So -hmm. they had to really, really throw themselves into it. Um, He proved himself to be, again, an incredible writer and incredible at at putting together arguments and also incredibly good at doing money. So he, he knew what to ask for from Congress. He knew how much it cost. He knew how to ask for what was more than enough, but also not so much that they'd be like, whoa, that's too fucking much. Yeah. So he'd kind of got that balance really, really right. But it is part, worth pointing Do you think that's part of his like upbringing and, and working the books yeah, back in? Absolutely. Yeah. He really had a head for numbers and that just comes into it. And he always had a really, really good head for arguments. But it's also worth pointing out at this point that he also had a good head for getting into arguments with people, including right. George Washington. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I, it's not really that clear because George Washington didn't, didn't give too much away in letters or telling people his side of the story. And I guess Hamilton wanted to preserve the idea that him and Washington were always besties. But at one point they got it after like a day of a hard day of working in whatever townhouse they were working on, trying to organize shit during the winter, Hamilton just, or Washington came out and basically said, you're sacked. (laughs) I can't take it anymore. You're gone. And he had to go. So it wasn't like this big dramatic debate after a duel, like it was in the show. It was more mm-hmm. just after for a couple of winters and a couple of su- summers of working together, Washington was like, I can't work with this kid anymore. He's just driving my fucking nut in. And he's like, I know he's excellent at what he does, but holy shit, he, this kid is annoying. How old would Hamilton been around this time? Do you he know? was in his early 20s at this stage. Right, it, was, okay. it was about the same as what it was in the play. He had gotten married to yeah. Elizabeth Schuyler. He had... Young and headstrong. And- young and headstrong, had a kid. And he ended up going back to Albany, which is where the Schuylers were from. They weren't actually from New York City. They were from oh, okay. way upstate in Albany, which was the New York state capital. And he went back up there to, I think he did a bit of lawyering again. But luckily, as the play shows, Washington called him back into the field, gave him the rank of colonel and let him... Right-hand man. Let him organize um, one of the units in the final battle of Yorktown, which they won. Alexander Hamilton. And he got a bit of glo- war glory. So, I guess... Happily ever after. Happily ever after. And then the big important thing is actually how do you set up a country after that? <sighs> Can't we just like fight a war and then just win it and then it's just done? It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, in many ways, like the, that's like the, you can see it in the breakdown of the, the first act of the musical is all about the war and it's about like being the underdog. And, yeah. fighting about. and then the second act is all of, it's like the messy kind of infighting and the, it, the politics of it, really. No other way of putting it. And how messy that is. And it's almost not equally as combative, but there's just as much tension, it felt like. Yeah. And Hamilton had views that were a bit different to the the most powerful founding fathers, the Mm. Virginians. He wanted like, they called it conservative at the time. So he didn't want to differentiate too much to what was there before. He was okay with just painting the red post boxes blue and just saying, saying this is America where we're still going to follow the same kind of trade-based financial-based system that we had before whereas mm-hmm. Jefferson was much more revolutionary in his approach he wanted like uh, no no this is our chance to redesign society as we want to see it so okay. they were battling over that all the time so before we get too much into that can you give me just like a snapshot of like the ideologically like where Hamilton sat in relation to like other founding fathers particularly like Jefferson well like I said he was considered at the time a conservative 
whereas Jefferson would have been considered democratic liberal. But these okay. terms are not that translatable to politics today. No, because they call like just like Southern motherfucking Democratic Republicans. And I wanted to ask you about what that meant to be like a McDonald's Southern Democratic Republicans Republican. In the, in the show. Sorry? In the, in the Disney Plus, they've gotten rid of all the curse words. They, so they've got, I, was, I have a, a, I've looked this up. They got rid of two of them because it's PG-13 on Disney. Um, and in order to um, get, get that PG-13, if they, had, if they had one more fuck, it would have been R-rated. Um, so Lin-Manuel Miranda actually tweeted out that um, uh, he said, I literally gave two fucks so the kids could see it. <laughs> so he, he had to give up two fucks from the show. So in, in Yorktown, um, there's a mute over, um, I get the fuck back up again, which is Hercules Mulligan's rap. And then, yeah, Southern motherfucking Democratic Republicans gets like a record scratch over it. But there's one other fuck that they kept in earlier on. Somebody was trying um, to say that they put McDonald's over it, which was a lie, I think. And they're just yeah, going to stir shit on true. Twitter, which never yeah, happens. Um, um, but yeah, so so what what is like a Southern Democratic Republican? What does that mean? Okay, so there were two parties. So we've jumped forward a bit. So the by the time you've gotten past the, the Constitution being agreed, and so it wasn't actually a clear thing after the, the Revolutionary War that there would be a United States of America. There was a chance that you might have just had 13 separate states, separate colonies, or sorry, separate states at this stage just organ themselves. Oh, so no, like countries. federal system. Oh, no, okay. Hamilton had, and his gang had to really fight for that, and luckily he had Washington on his side. So <laughs> they he man, they managed to get that argument through. They got the Constitution done. They got the Bill of Rights. They they organized it. They they set up a government in New York City at the time, and they had a cabinet and all that kind of crack. But then the debates came into how we should organize even this broad union. So the the the, the, the Democratic Republicans wanted to have like a very loose, weak national government, like a federal mm. government that was only just there to be ready to organize an army if there was an external threat like Britain okay. or France coming in, but not even a standing army because that would give too much power to the central government. And they wanted everything to be localized at the local, at the, organized at the local state level. They wanted to have the power in the hands of farmers like people with their own land that kind of stuff they didn't want they didn't like the idea of people organizing themselves in urban cities and acting as financiers and having all this money flying around because they thought that gave too much power to outside forces and because money always wants to go international as well they were like oh well that's just an opportunity for us to get in trouble internationally right so this is the reason why they didn't see eye type with hamilton who was kind of all about this Uh, hamilton on the other hand saw that well yeah, it, he, he turned out to be true because it turned out that way. But he saw that America to be successful had to be a big trading nation. They had to be mm-hmm. able to take in credit to develop their industries and trades. And they also had to have a central bank to organize all this. And there was no point in the states kind of flip off themselves and do all things. You had to consolidate power in a strong central government. And the reason that he was called a conservative at the time is that that's what they had before. That was the, That was how Britain was organized. Uh, Everything okay. was consolidated in a strong central government being the monarchy. So right. he was like, it's fine. We're, we're still a republic because we elect our leader. Yeah. But uh, the Democratic Republicans were like, no, no, no. This is our opportunity to change things up so much to stop ourselves from get like, if we just call them a president, he'll be and like the, the it's worth pointing out that the Constitution didn't have term limits. So if it wasn't for Washington doing the stepping aside, showing them how to say goodbye. And then we'll teach them how to say goodbye. Just say goodbye. You and 
then it could have been King Washington or and then like it would have been John Adams just staying as president forever and ever and ever. Sure. Like, yeah, they were just worried that you would have had this centralized monarch in all but name. God, it really is so messy because you do have to define all of these fundamental things. I remember seeing a quote recently from from Le Manuel when he was like promoting the the Hamilton being on Disney Plus and he's talking about like the f- the fights that they had back then those fundamental disagreements echo to today. You know what I mean? Like those it's not like they were perfect people setting up a perfect system. Absolutely those disagreements not. Oh, and yeah. those conflicts and a lot like, of it was personality based as well. <laughs> sure, exactly. A lot and of it was like, well, fuck him. I don't Yeah. I, like are you have you thought about my policies? Do you think about the like do you think state government is more important than the federal government? Oh, I, I didn't have time for that. I just fucking hate Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> or, a lot of that in the show. Or no way, Jefferson's a dick. I want nothing to do with him. Yeah. Which is a good thing to bear in mind because you can't imagine the founding fathers as these perfect ideological like like father figures who who had nothing but like, you know, who were like really intelligent, had the best for, uh, intentions. I'm sure they had great intentions and everything, but it was not a perfect system they established and the ripples are still being felt yeah. for all of them. And the conflicts, they also, it's it's as relevant really, the, the conflicts and the disagreements and stuff today as ever. Um, yeah, I mean, and it, it continued to be throughout American history. You always had this, like, I mean, essentially... The arguments that they were having, that they that they compromised by making these deals in the rooms where it happened and all that kind of crack, they they were just kind of brushing aside the massive problem that was slavery, yeah, and ignoring it, and then it, it and thinking, oh, we can just keep on having these compromises until, of course, it didn't work. It bubbled up and turned into a civil war, mm-hmm. and then even after that, they didn't properly fix the race relations, so that kept on bubbling up until it exploded into the civil rights. And then after the civil rights in the in 1960s, they're like, oh, we'll paper it over with a couple of, uh, a couple of acts, get rid, try and deconstruct Jim Crow. But of course, oh, look, 2020 and we're still, we're America still, yeah. is still doesn't have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they did not create a perfect system. They did not, they did not figure it all out. They left mm-hmm. so many landmines for the next generations to walk on. And a large yeah. part of it was down to this big fight between Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson, which was, they didn't like when the constitution was written and when they set out the system, they're like, we don't like the idea of parties. We don't like factionalism. So Mm. we're going to design this system because we know the people who take over from us will be smart enough to not have parties. Within three years, (laughs) there were two parties, the Federalists and the Democratic Republicans led by Alexander Hamilton and John Adams and the Federalists. And then Thomas Jefferson and Madison running the Democratic Republicans. Okay, and the, and the Democratic Republican. It, sorry, go on. The reason they called it the Southern Democratic Republicans is that uh, it was a large part, like it was ge- geographical as well. So you had um, a huge amount of the power base for t- Jefferson's side coming from Virginia and the rest of the South, and a large part of the Federalist side was coming from New England and New York, where mm-hmm. uh, Adams and, and Hamilton were coming from. And of course, that is what translated then into the Civil War when it came mm-hmm. up later. Sure. So yeah, mad crack altogether. That's he was onto something when he wrote that play. <laughs> I'm telling you. So we've gotten we we talked around the politics that he did. Mm-hmm. He 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 basically his his he he wanted his main legacy to be a sound financial system for the United States, and he had to fight huge battles. But he was also an absolute prick, and he loved insulting people because he thought I was right. And obviously, telling you you're a dickhead, stupid idiot is totally fine because if I say it, you are. But of course, that ended up not working out no ultimately his undoing <laughs> yeah he got um challenged to a duel by vice, vice president at the time aaron burr can you imagine if that happened now it'd be Our so the vice president god you know fuck i'm fu- you know what fucking sick of this shit i'm going across the hudson to new jersey and i'm going to shoot this fool 
Uh, it's also left out. Now. I think Sorry. Hamilton was in like ten duels in his life. Man, you it's just like it's just a, it's a, it's it is a way of it's like a way of reaching a resolution. <laughs> you can't <laughs> deny that because one person, chances are, will be dead. Well, I mean, is it though? I mean, is the central bank the, the better system ends, for the United States after you shoot the person who's arguing with you? You cannot deny the argument ends once one party dies. <laughs> There are gener- I will duel you over this. <laughs> That's it. Flip flops are done. <laughs> do we want to talk about the musical itself, or do you want to? Yeah, well, we have touched on it. Um, yeah. Oh, before that as well. One thing that was mm. left out. So in the musical, at the end, Aaron Burr gets like this big, like, "Oh, poor me. Oh, I'm so mm. sad. Oh, I may have made a mistake, but now I'm a villain." After he fucking shot um, Hamilton, he and like he basically Thomas Jefferson had to break the law to arrest him because it was it was still a bit it was still a bit airy fairy as to as to whether he officially broke federal law to stop mm. him from being a fucking madman murderer. He had to like <laughs> infringe on his civil rights to arrest him, but. It was also because Burr was like, oh shit, I burned all my bridges here in the United States. I'm going to join forces with this other insane former revolutionary and try and set up my own empire in the Southwest. What? He wanted to set up like a separate colony, a new, a new, new America. Wow. (laughs) Better with blackjacks and hookers. (laughs) Yeah, they left that out with the music. They left that out. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm the villain in your history books. Yeah, because you're a fucking megalomaniac. Yeah, yeah, and you would have continued to be the villain in history books <laughs> with America too, the sequel to America. <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> Even worse. Oh my god. So yeah, yeah. Fucking good musical though. How would you rank it in terms of accuracy to everything we just talked about and what actually happened? I guess like it's about an eight out of ten. It is really, really accurate. It tells the story mm. really well. And I was, I was thinking about it as well. Like the fact that they just that they cast all the founding fathers as um, black or Hispanic actors, like people of mm. color. It, it, it kind of like the conversation around the founding fathers for the last couple of decades has been kind of tricky because a lot of them were shitheads who owned slaves. Yeah, and it's hard to talk about people believing in freedom when you know George Washington owned people <laughs> yeah yeah but casting him as as a black man gives you a bit of leeway there you yeah. can you're building into the dna of the show the kind of the true diverse nature of america yeah i think he's trying to recognize that the founding fathers weren't diverse and the people who set, set up america weren't diverse but mm-hmm. they they sowed the seeds of a system and a country that could be diverse and if if we like if we like take what they took take what they planted and like use it for better means like just to say that they weren't perfect as we were saying before washington mm-hmm. was not a perfect man but he him and jefferson who also owned slaves as well were not perfect but they designed a constitution and a, and a government system that didn't necessarily have the racism built into it it's just because people had used it as such but if you take that away from them and try and change it then then it it can belong to everybody, not just the yeah. people who wanted to lay claim to it. Yeah, that's. I think that that's more like what I was thinking. I, it's like I've been reading a good bit about Frederick Doug, Douglass recently as well. Um, he's he's a good few years after this in the Civil War, um, a freed slave who became a fantastic orator and helped like basically convince enough people to join the abolition movement and then like uh, argue for the side of the Union in the Civil War. He split with a load of other abolitionists who. Saw who, who said America was too broken to fix the idea of slavery and race 
that's they need to rip up the constitution and start again. Whereas he was like, no, I can see in the constitution the seeds and the basis of something that can be better. And I guess that's kind of the silly argument that we're that we have going on now at the moment. Yeah. It's like, do you need to burn it all down and set up America too? Or is there enough in the American myth, legend and constitution and like laws that we have to do it better? Yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that Lynn Manuel was like, okay, this is the founding father myth. Normally you have only white dudes being recognized, but let's just take their story, put a slant on it and use it for today. Yeah. So that's, that's exactly, I found a quote um, here. Our goal was, this is a story about America then told by America now. Yes. And we want to eliminate any distance. Our story should look the way our store, our country looks. Yeah, exactly. Country looks now. So just because yeah, exactly. they were a bunch of old white slave owning dudes back then, it doesn't mean yeah. that they still own it. And also most importantly, it doesn't mean that old white dudes who probably would like to own slaves now should be able to yeah. lay claim and ownership to America. It belongs exactly. to way more. Yeah. So, I mean, um, the, like, the musical was fucking huge. Do you remember when you came across it first? Was it Keen? It, it was exactly Keen. Was I do Keen. remember exactly when it happened. Uh, I was living in San Francisco and I was chatting to Keen just like on WhatsApp or Messenger or something. And he's just sent me a link to dun, 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 dun. And it's just the first, that first song, Alexander Hamilton. And at first it's like, Keen sends a lot of links. That's a lot. That's a lot of my friendship with Keen is, is going through Keen links. And he's usually very good at like clinks. finding stuff that I'll, I'll, I'll like. Yeah. His clinks. Um, but this was the first time, like I put it on as like a small window at the time on my Mac, whatever I was doing. And by the end of it, I had a full screen and I was like sh- shocked because I'd never seen anything like it. I was like, this is about a founding father. And I went straight back to the beginning and uh, watched it all again. And that song is a very good, like it, it tells you exactly what the musical is going to be about. It's like a great introduction. It literally ends with Burr saying, I'm the damn fool who shot him. So like it tells you the ending straight away. It's a perfect encapsulation of the story and the show as a whole. And it literally took him a year to write that whole song. Yeah. And it took him another year to write the second song. Like that's how long he's, he was working on this for a long time. He, he, wrote, he, he did, he did like a, this. Sorry. He, he did a workshop in the white house, didn't he? Where he yes, like, he, he did. So he performed the first song Hamilton to um, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama in the white house in 2009. Yeah, you and know, he was like, kind of, he was like, they were, he was, they were like, oh, what are you working on? Oh, a hip hop musical about Alexander Hamilton. And they're like, ha ha yeah. ha, no, really? He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I got it. I have it. And yeah, he had that one song at the time and then he got the MacArthur the Genius Grant. Ah, and cool. I think, yeah, that helped him like re- full, take it and fully realize, like he took his time, took so long with it. Like he said with um, um, uh, My Shot, which is kind of like the anthem for for Hamilton, the character Hamilton each couple it's a very fast song and he said each couplet needed to be like the best couplet I'd ever written wow. and it took him like a year to write it because he, he knew it was it was that important I, it's it's something as well like I mean it is it came out at a time that partisanship in America has been skyrocketing and the idea of conservatives and liberals going at each other's throats is just standard now there's no room for there's no middle ground there's no work together mm. and the show has absolutely been entirely embraced by the left leaning people, the liberals, mm-hmm. because for all the reasons that we were just discussing, but mm-hmm. as a work of art, as a piece of music, as a show, as a story, it is still so absolutely fantastic that there are still loads of conservative people who are happy to say, I fucking love this thing as well. And yeah. in fairness, I also think that one of the reasons that the show is so successful and amazing is that Lynn manuel Miranda is one of the best people that we have at the moment. He yeah, is just easily so intelligent, so witty, so empathetic, so nice, so 
simultaneously down to earth, but also yeah, let make him president of the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it just as a piece of work, it is just fucking amazing. And I mean, as a giant American politics nerd, it was always going to be my bag. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's stunning. So I, I was chatting to Jer, a friend of us, a friend of the show. We were hanging out in the park the other day and he pointed out something to me that I, despite the fact that this isn't this album over and over again, I've seen the show a couple of times now. Um, I didn't even realize that. And again, it just shows you how dense, like lyrically and, and, and content wise the whole production is. But you know, like I said, Hamilton's theme was all about um, not throwing away my shot. He was all about momentum and moving forward. Whereas Burr on the counter side of that was all about waiting for it and taking your time and assessing. And then the end of the show, their undoing was them adopting the ideals of the other. So during that duel, Hamilton hesitates. He waits for it. He raises his pistol in the sky and like he has this whole monologue about throwing away his shot and about like his legacy and about about how the world would view him and about his past mistakes and everything. And at the moment and at the end, he doesn't take action. He doesn't have that same momentum. Whereas Burr, who spends the whole time waiting, like his big anthem is Wait for It, which is one of the best songs in the whole in the whole musical, in which he talks about the differences between him and Hamilton. Hamilton doesn't hesitate. He exhibits no restraint. He takes and he takes and he takes. Whereas he's just sitting there waiting it for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the end, Burr then becomes a man of action and shoots Hamilton and ends up becoming both their undoings, which is crazy yeah. that these people are so consistent until the end when it's both of their undoings, which I never realized. It just shows you how dense it is. There's a good, uh, I had a, um, sorry, give me a second to pull it up. So yeah, he again, we talked about the reason why he picked like hip hop as a genre for a musical about the Founding Fathers, which doesn't sound like an obvious choice. But again, it fit with the character of Hamilton, but it also allowed him to like get more like Hamilton was a writerly person and he had like lots of ideas and he was constantly churning out all of these essays and all of these pieces of writing. And with a hip hop musical, he would be able to get in much more in terms of density and rhythm. Um. So like the use of rap helped Limon Randa pack more than 20,000 words into two and a half hours, which is roughly 144 words per minute. So if Hamilton was then sung at the pace of other Broadway shows, it would have taken up to four to six hours. That's insane. So you get like a four to six hours worth of content and storytelling into a two and a half hour musical. And at the same time, it's in service of the character and makes sense. Like it's, it's just phenomenal. Like on a, on a structural DNA level, right the way through to, you know, like the, 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 how good the music is just to your ear. Just and then he went and did Moana. <laughs> and then he did, but you know what? Fucking great tunes as well. I was listening well, to I'm Your brilliant. Welcome I'm this not morning. trying to dis- disparage oh. it. I love Moana. Oh, so good. And also like he, he included so many of his own fandoms in this as well. And they happened to interlink with so many of mine. And I guess because I'm also a, like a lib, a liberal, you know, internet loving yeah. guy is like, oh, uh, the, the book we've mentioned so many times as well. The, uh, the name of the wind and the West Wing, like all these things Wait, are all what, rolled so, in. What what name what name of the wind reference did he put in? Oh, are you kidding me? You don't know this one? I don't know this one. Oh, this, what's the song that they're drinking? Um, story of tonight. Story of tonight. Yeah. But I will gladly join their fight. And when our children tell our story, and when our children tell our story, they'll tell the story of tonight. Let's have another round. Yeah. He, he specifically said, "Oh, I want I wanted to capture." The feeling that the the main the char- the main character and his friends would have after he like achieved uh, I think he like won the singing battle in the first book and like made loads of money yeah. and they were like drinking oh. and having a great time walking back he's like I wanted to capture that specifically 
So that was it. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And I mean, he, he appears on your favorite podcast all the time. The um, Yeah, I was going to say that. My brother, my brother and me. There's like two my brother, my brother and me references in the show. Yep. There's a moment that goes where they go, unless, unless. I have to tell you anything at all. Unless. Unless. If I can prove that I never broke the law. And that's like a, a trope of my brother, my brother and me. Because it's like, it's a... It's an improvised comedy podcast. By saying unless, it's their way of like pivoting a joke to take unless. the opposite end of the imp- yeah, the opposite end of the improvising kind of. Um, well, also, and then and the, West, the specific West Wing it. reference is "I'm looking for a mind at work." That's um, one of the most famous lines from Sam Seaburn in like "What, are you, what are you looking for in your favorite politician?" It's like I'm looking yeah. for a mind at work, and then they roll that into the Skyler sister song. Just so that, like, like this I, is why we love it it's it's not just because it's about politics it is just a dense amazing show and if you haven't watched it or listened to it yet do it yeah do it what are you waiting for wait for it wait for it don't wait for it don't, don't wait for throw it. away your shot okay and before we finish i also music. want to point out that you should not take that many political lessons from it because alexander hamilton was not a good politician Right. <laughs> I give him Makes for a great rap musical. Great rap bud. musical, but he got he got a D for politics. So granted, <laughs> he like he was a right hand man. That is what he was. He mm-hmm. was too vain, too self obsessed, and too horny. Sensitive and horny. <laughs> we forgot we didn't mention the sex scandal. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so just to briefly say as well, if you are listening to this, for the um, yeah, he, he was involved in one of the first American political uh, sex scandals. And for some reason, decided the best thing to do was to try and write his way out of it. So he got, he was worried about getting blackmailed. So instead of getting blackmailed, he told the world and in doing so, yeah. tanked his, his, his political career. Yeah. So I mean, it was actually a sex scandal. When you were talking earlier on about the, um, about the, uh, like him writing his way out and how that's like how a lot of rap artists have been able to use that to get out of their own circumstances. Hamilton mm. used it well, but then went too mm-hmm. fucking far and wouldn't <laughs> shut the fuck up. It's like, like what we're like Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> We've rolled it back. Look at how there dense and intelligent this podcast is. <laughs> oh my God. The Hamilton of podcasts. We cannot call ourselves we, that. No fucking hell. We're not the We're Margaritaville, better. the musical of podcasts. That's an actual thing. Margaritaville. So, you know, Jimmy Buffett, he has a song called Margaritaville and a chain of restaurants based off of that song it's called a, Margaritaville. I know it's a South Park well, episode he, as well. Yeah, he's got a, a musical called Escape to Margaritaville, I believe. Anyway. I hope you have enjoyed this Margaritaville of a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you really, really enjoyed it, maybe you could buy us a beer over at um, uh, whatonpublics.com forward slash beer. Please. That would be lovely. That would be great. Um, also, we're at, at whatonpolitics on Instagram and on Twitter, whatonpolitics at gmail.com. If you want to shoot us a suggestion about what we should talk about next or your thoughts on the musical or anything at all, we, we, we just like hearing from you. Uh, what on politics. If you didn't like the musical, I'd like to hear that. And if you are succinct and intelligent enough in explaining why, we may Mm -hmm. read it out. We may. Um, We may have a rap battle about it. Uh, We haven't plugged this in a while. Please rate us on on, um, Apple Podcasts if you get the chance. It'll it'll do us a world of good. Five stars, please. If if you feel at least inclined, at least (laughs) you can hack the system to get six stars. Now that'd be great. Apple's easy to hack, isn't it? It is. It's very easy. It's notoriously easy to hack. No, it's not. Uh, if you can, if you can, 
yeah write down five stars the Hamilton of podcasts I think that would do wonders for our iTunes rankings and you know what if you are a prick and you want to give us one star at least call us the Margarita Villa podcast look yeah we've gotten some angry one star reviews but in the past if they had bothered to say the Margarita Villa podcast I think I would be less sour about the whole thing margaritas are very sour that's true and delicious uh, that it Steve that's it thanks okay. for finally listening to our 100 episode late Hamilton <laughs> yeah. based episode took us a while but we got there oh I'd also like to yeah. say you're welcome Americans for us not ripping the shit out of you on, on your 4th of July weekend which we normally do oh, by talking about Russia or do. Canada yeah that, w- that was a trend we had going for a while we nearly for, did like, it we nearly went, back, nearly went back to Russia or Cuba or something like that but no this time we, we gave you no. your due and talked about someone who's not from there <laughs> Excellent. That 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 the end. That's how the podcast, the musical, should have ended. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.